0: This is Toastcaster, your communication leadership and learning lab, with your host, Greg Gazin. Episode 100 Humble Beginnings and Lessons Learned from 100 Episodes. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Toastcaster, your communication leadership and learning lab. This is Greg Gazin, and I'm welcoming you to the 100th episode of Toastcaster. Today, on our episode, we're going to go back to our humble beginnings. We're going to look at how we got started and a few lessons learned. And I thought, who better than to have on our episode than the person who was first interviewed on episode one, Mona Cooley? Mona Cooley is a past district governor for Toastmasters. She is also the family support advocate and founder of Cool Family Solutions. Good morning, Mona.
1: Good morning, Greg. What do you think? (laughs) Oh, this was so exciting when you connected with me, and I can't believe where you've come to with 100 episodes. Wow. I was reflecting back about our first one, and I... It just brought shivers to me just thinking about it that we're doing a hundredth episode and and I'm just so grateful to be part of it. And thank you for asking me to be part of this. It it is very humbling for me to be asked.
0: For those of you who are newer to the Toastcaster podcast, going back a hundred episodes... This podcast started as a high-performance leadership for Toastmasters. High-performance leadership is a project where you take a project of some sort, whether it be Toastmasters-related, community-related, or what have you, and you use it to hone your skills. You have a guidance committee that you work with. You also have a team that you work with where you look at your vision, your mission, your values, etc. And, of course, being the gadget guy, I was looking for an excuse to use technology within Toastmasters. So I came up with this idea of doing a podcast. Now, if we turn the clock back, I think this was probably in late 2006. Podcasting was in its early stages. The technology was quite crude. And of course, I didn't have the experience that I've gained over the last 100 episodes.
1: You know, that's right. You talk about it was so new because I remember you phoning and asking me and said, Mona, I've got this idea for an HPL and it's podcasts. I stalled out and said, uh, what's a podcast? <laughs> uh, me and my technology knowledge was very limited and you the you know the geek and all of this doing this technology stuff, and I thought, What is this? And then you asked me, Would you like to be part of this process and everything? And of course I'm always curious. And always open to, well, we can always try it. Let's see where it goes. Well, here we are, Greg, 100 (laughs) episodes later.
0: What you didn't mention was that when I first called you, I was shaking in my boots. I was extremely nervous to ask you to do something. I was a division governor, but you were a district governor. You were the one that was overseeing over 250 plus clubs, 5,000 members. You were the big cheese, and I was going to ask you to do something. It was a little nerve-wracking.
1: Nerve-wracking, I guess. You know, I look at myself as a person who's learning and taking leadership on, and, and here I was being asked to be interviewed, and you think you were nervous? I was nervous just being interviewed and this whole process so I think we both had nerves in so many different ways but it was fun to do together and and I always felt that people feel they can approach me about these things because that brings into leadership very strongly how comfortable do people feel about approaching you i i've been nervous asking individuals that i felt oh my gosh would they even entertain this but i'm always open to this so once again thank you again greg
0: <laughs> the conversation was one thing but then of course again i was mentioning the technology crude and we were speaking offline i was trying to remember what we had used and if i'm not mistaken i think i had rigged a tape recorder, little analog tape recorder to the phone line. And I still remember having the gain set too high. So of course we didn't know what we were recording. And after all was said and done, there was a lot of noise. It was a lot of static and I had to do a lot of massaging of of the audio.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like the thing is I was on the phone. I was naive to even know what is this podcast and what is it? you know, what's it all about and how are we going to do this? And I left it up to you to do that technology. All I was asked to do was talk. woo (laughs) What excitement that was.
0: And I think having it in the audio format accomplished an objective because typically we've had a lot of blog posts, we do a lot of writing, but as Toastmasters, we speak. So why not have a platform, why not have a forum where we could express ourselves? Now, of course, audio is ideal and we've had a couple of Video podcasts, but at least audio is good because it does capture the essence it captures the words. it can still capture the the emotions and the sounds of of what we sound like when we're speaking,
1: yes, and I think that's the other part you don't know what it sounds like while you're talking you You talk, but when you gotta turn around and play it back and listen to yourself, oh, well, that's interesting on itself, so. I think because we are speakers and leaders in this whole thing, I think doing all these different modalities, I think is very good experience for all of us. I feel it's preparing us for whatever we want to do in our lives, whether it's a personal goal or business goal or career goal or whatever that is. I feel all these platforms make a difference because it's big today. You you're seeing TED Talks, podcasts, all these things and they can all be scary but it is all about speaking.
0: No, I agree. I think also the practice gives you an opportunity to really hone not only your quote-unquote podcasting skills but your other skills as well. I'm thinking back to a number of episodes where you re- I recorded the episode and I'm thinking, "Well, why didn't I ask this question? Why didn't I ask that question?" I made an assumption about individuals. So for example, you might have someone who is a platform speaker, someone who excels on getting on the platform, giving 45 minute, one hour keynote speeches, but when you're talking to them one-on-one, it's a different dynamic. And so you make an assumption that because they're a platform speaker, because they can get up there and speak that when they have a one-on-one conversation with you, it's going to be there. It's going to be natural. I remember having one individual say to me, did that sound okay? I I didn't sound stupid. And I'm thinking, I was the one that was worried about making sure that I didn't sound foolish in front of you.
1: (laughs) Isn't that the way we question ourselves and we want the best to be out there? And you know what? We're human. We make mistakes. We make flub ups. We do all this, but it's how the recovery process is. Recovering from the situation, I think, is the big thing. I know I've made kafas, and it's how we bring it about. And humor is usually what I bring into the process. And we learn from all of these and from each other.
0: Absolutely. I also discovered that it's really important not just to ask questions, but making sure that you ask the right questions. Being able to find a way of really helping the individual on the other end of the line zero in on perhaps what they want to say, because sometimes you'll have a conversation before and they'll say, okay, well, we'll talk about this, 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 and that. But in the conversation somehow or somewhere they get lost or they forget to mention something over time, you begin to learn techniques in terms of of bringing them back in. Preparation is really, really key. You don't want to prep perhaps every single question. You don't want to really have a script so that it sounds like a narrative rather than a natural conversation. But what I found is, especially if people are a little nervous coming in, what you do is you just start talking to them. I had one individual that had about five or six false starts, just like I did at the beginning. I had little butterflies coming back, reminding me of episode (laughs) one. But what I would do is I would just have a conversation with them, just start talking to them and ask them how their day is, perhaps how their kids are doing or what's new and exciting. Then they naturally start speaking, right? You hit that record button. And then you get into the interview. Now, of course, all that preamble and chit-chat up front, you usually let that, you usually cut that out. Obviously, you want to try to keep things as concise as possible. That's one of the things that I learned about weaving people into that.
1: You have to be in your a bit of a comfort zone and the commonalities of where a person's at. Good for you, Greg, to come to that point of figuring out, well, how can I have people comfortable and then get into it so that they're pre-prepared for the next step in the podcast.
0: Also, my approach is a soft approach. I mean, there uh, I've been on podcasts where, where I've been interviewed. I remember once being on television where I was talking about some new gadgets. It was the early days of the DVD. And all of a sudden, way back, of course, I'm dating myself here. If you go way back when, when the government decided to impose a tax on CDs, blank CDs, because people were copying and pirating music, all of a sudden the conversation takes a turn and says, okay, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Honestly, I wasn't really prepared and I really wasn't an authority in that area. So what I like to do ahead of time is perhaps if there's a a question that might be controversial or something that the individual might not be comfortable with, or just something that really shouldn't be aired publicly, then I'll ask him ahead of time whether or not it's okay to speak about it and then weave my way into it.
1: Sounds like you've learned a lot through this whole process yourself, Greg. How you've evolved through this whole process, you know, where you started out. Here you are, you know, you're at Toastmasters International level and doing all of this and what you've learned. We get to learn from you because of what you, all the experiences you've been through.
0: Well, thank you for that. But I'm a lifelong learner. I'm- I'm always learning. I know one of the things sometimes is I just get way too much going in my head. And it's just like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the movie Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yes. Where they meet the man at the mountain who's guarding the, I guess he's guarding the bridge and they ask him, well, what's your favorite color? Red, no green. And all of a sudden they fall into a gorge. Sometimes the simplest questions can throw you for the loop. I get sometimes so excited that I forget to pause or I forget to breathe. Sometimes that happens or I find that I go just a little bit too fast or a little bit too quick. One of my editors once said to me, says, Greg, he says, the problem with you is you're too interested. And I looked at him and I thought, what do you mean? He says, well, you're too interested. He says, when you're interviewing someone and I was writing a story and one of the things he said to me, he says, you have way too much content in there. You have enough material there to write a book. All we're looking for is a 750 to 900 word article. So you need to try to see if you can focus in on one area. And work on that. And sometimes I still find that a little bit of a challenge because I have an incredible opportunity to interview some incredible individuals. And sometimes you just want to be able to find out everything about them and share those stories.
1: It's something to be said of what that tip was that individual gave you was. I'm similar. I have so much floating around in my head and I'm curious. And of course, when people get talking, I have a question that pops up in my head and I need to know that, you know, I'm curious about that whole process. And when you've got so much going. So when I've been asked to say, get to the point, which I can get to the point, I'm known (laughs) for it. It's sometimes very hard. And when you do get to the point, it can be overwhelming. And people want to hear that little nugget that they can grasp right away. I've had to learn that too, Greg. So I guess we're on the same type of journey.
0: It also works with your guests as well, because sometimes they'll take off on a tangent. And so sometimes you need to just stop them. And of course, we don't do these live. Some podcasts go live. They figure, oh, we'll just make it live. We'll do it natural. My philosophy is I'd, I'd rather give people a good finished product, because sometimes you can speak for an hour and only end up with 20 minutes of, of recorded material
1: yes well that's how it goes and good for you to figure that out because i can get on a tangent as you know so i'm glad really 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 oh (laughs) there's such a shock i know you know isn't it funny that we get very passionate about what we do and i've been told that that they hear the passion which is not a bad thing it's a very good thing but because we're passionate we talk and talk and talk, right? That's how it is. So that's okay, but we need to be honed in once in a while.
0: I agree. It's it's interesting that you mentioned the word passion. I do leadership facilitation for a company called Crescom International, and one of the exercises for the attendees is discovering your passion, where how it works is that you're asked a series of questions, and then at the end, the other person is trying to determine what your passion is. And sometimes you'll find that, your passion is not necessarily what you think it is or your passion may have changed. In one particular session, we had an odd number of individuals. So I participated with the individual who didn't have a partner to talk to. And so I was talking about the passion of podcasting. And of course, when we first started this podcast, I thought it was pretty exciting. It was a great Toastmaster project. I loved the audio. I love the editing. I love the finished product. But then what I discovered over time that the interest in the technology per se really wasn't there. The interest was really being able to pull the stories out of the individuals and share their lives and share their stories and, and share the things that they have to say with the audience. So all of a sudden, I'm now doing the same thing. It's still a podcast, but now my passion is very different. I'd never thought of that. It was someone else that brought that to my attention.
1: Isn't that great? When we do participate in some of these things that maybe we're leading, but we become part of the process, that we find out things about ourselves and a little deeper level of ourselves. It's good for us to know those pieces and get feedback from people.
0: No, absolutely. I've had guests where I've been speaking with them under a certain assumption or having read their bio, having read their background, perhaps I interviewed them because I saw them on a show or perhaps they were interviewed in a magazine like we do with the Toastmasters International podcast. And there are people that come back to me and say, no, no, Greg, it's not about this. This isn't what it is. And then I would go, oh, okay, well, please enlighten me. Please tell me more. Because you can only say so much in a podcast. There's only so many words that you can put on a page. So sometimes people will make assumptions. And that's the other beauty of these interviews is that. If I'm interviewing someone that perhaps was featured in a magazine, again, told me be the Toastmaster magazine or any other magazine, they have an opportunity to elaborate. Again, there were probably things that they said that weren't able to go into the article initially. So you get, you get more elaboration from it. The other thing with the audio is that you also can, again, there's that word passion, right? You get the emotions, you get the gestures. People ask the question, can you sense gestures and emotion over audio? And the answer is yes, absolutely, because I can picture you right now.
1: Oh, really? (laughs) Well, I didn't know that you could see through all that technology and everything else.
0: Nice socks, Mona.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's interesting that you say that, because in the work that I do in helping families, I have said many, many times that, You know, when families are talking to their loved ones on the phone and they don't think of their body language and how their voice and tone and everything is coming across to that person on the other end of that telephone line. And I says they're going by, they can read you just as good as if they were face to face. It's that voice and your tone and your energy of everything that comes through. So that's great that you brought that up because it's so true. I don't think people realize that. And when I told families that, oh, my gosh, it shook them up a little bit. They said they can read me. Oh, yeah. Well, one client said this and he didn't. I don't think he quite believed me. I said, well, test it out. You, You let me know how it goes. He came back the next week and he says, Well, I was pleasantly surprised how my tone and everything made a huge difference because if you're feeling gruff or anxious or anything that comes across, but if you're upbeat and you're excited and everything else, or you're being curious, it comes across to that person that you're actually interested in them. And he says, my conversation went better than I've had before. I said, see, they did read you over the phone. So he says now from now on, he's being very cautious of how he is on the phone. There you go.
0: Sometimes audio works even better because I've, had, I've been on interviews where it's been video back and forth via Skype or, or via video conference. And a couple things happen. In one particular case, I remember where the other individual had a TV in the background. So of course that's a little distracting. So instead of looking at that individual, or instead of really seeing him, you're, I guess, inadvertently kind of looking at the TV and looking at the things going by. The other thing that happens is that when people are using a laptop, for example, the screens below the cameras above. So the other person who's looking at you sees you looking down. So that's also a little bit of a distraction, but no, it's, it's true. Although sometimes video is awesome. Audio, I think, can also be very effective. Plus, it's not intrusive. You can listen to audio in the car. You can listen to audio as you're walking, as I do every single day. At Southgate Center, I walk just about every single day. I do my 10,000 steps, and I listen to podcasts. And if you're wondering if I listen to my own podcasts, absolutely. Not to get the numbers up, but I listen to it and I go, okay, this is what I did well. Oh, this is what I can improve. Oh, why did I say that? Oh, next time I'll ask this question. So that's what I do. (laughs) Wow. Yeah.
1: You know, it's interesting that you say that 10,000 steps because uh, when you phone me about this, uh, doing this session, I thought about it because I started walking because I was babysitting one of my grand dogs and it was important that they get their walk every day. So I was doing walks and, and I have a, one of your gadgets there, Greg, <laughs> on me to tell me how many steps. And I kept it in my mind, you saying your 10,000 steps. I've read that where you, you know, it's important to do 10,000 steps a day. So I started doing that ever since we talked. So you, look what you did. You, you got me now with another gadget on me and I'm doing over 10,000 a day. I'm conscious of it more than I've ever been. So thank you for getting me on track with that because if I'm going to walk, I might as well see how far I'm going in a day. So <laughs> lots of mileage we're doing.
0: I'm getting you into doing all kinds of things.
1: Oh, listen to you. You got me into gadgets and technologies and now walking. God, I don't know what's next. I can hardly wait.
0: Gee, maybe podcasts?
1: Oh, podcasts. (laughs) Oh, yes, that's the other thing. And being more comfortable and doing these interviews and everything. So much fun. We're having too much fun, Greg.
0: See, there's a perfect example of not asking the right question. The question was going to be, or the question probably could have been, Want to tell us about your podcast?
1: Tell us about, oh, my podcast. Yes, I've done actually since you introduced that to me. It was several years later that another gal that I know and it was in the business and everything, and she talked about podcasts. I says, I know what that is. I was so surprised that I could be, you know, knowledgeable about this. <laughs> so then I was asked to do series of my business and different sections to educate people. And I did 12 podcasts just talking. I had to be the lone talker that whole time. And I learned so much through that. And I can't tell you how important it was that Toastmasters, played a huge part, your voice, your tone, your, you know, how you're coming across and how natural are you and all of those pieces and just having that experience all these years of speaking, it played into this so well. Yes, my first one was rough, but we got through it because I had to speak for 20 minutes and I'm the only one speaking, which was a whole new thing for me. Doing this, interviews and back and forth conversation, I love this type of thing because I I love learning about others along that process. So look where I've come and what I've had to learn in this process.
0: So in 10 or 15 seconds or less, what's the name of your podcast and what's it about?
1: Real Conversations. And it's teaching families how to have honest conversations to make a difference in how they manage difficult situations.
0: Of course, I let the cat out of the bag because episode 101, the next episode, we're actually going to be talking to Mona about what she does and how she helps families deal with difficult situations, including mental health challenges.
1: So Greg, you've done a hundred... 100 episode, this is the 100th, and I'm still getting shivers while I'm saying that. What is your vision for the next 100 episodes?
0: So now you're interviewing me.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's, oh, there's a twist, isn't it? I love this, that I can twist on the interviewer.
0: (laughs) You're picking up some of my bad habits, and I guess that's a good thing. Actually, that's a great question, Mona, and thank you very much for, for asking that it's interesting how the podcast has evolved. Initially, it was specifically directed and dedicated toward Toastmasters and all things Toastmaster. But what I've discovered with the different people that we've interviewed, we have a theme of there's communication, there's leadership, and there's also gadgets and a few other things. One of the things I discovered was that people can learn a lot of things from the podcast. I've learned a lot of things from the podcast, and it's a great place to try things out just to talk a little bit about things so my plan is right now is to shift the podcast just a little bit to include both communication and leadership i'm going to keep the name toastcaster but if you as you heard in the opening i'm shifting towards the communication and leadership learning lab And this way, I'm opening up the podcast to a lot more listeners because those who are not Toastmasters, if I have something that's just specifically related to Toastmaster technical things, it may not be of interest. On the other hand, I want to keep the Toastmasters theme because it's an opportunity to invite more people to find out about Toastmasters. I think both you and I can agree that Toastmasters is transformational and it's really life-changing. So that's what I'm looking at. I've already have a couple of episodes recorded. Although our audience is worldwide, I will still be interviewing many local people.
1: Greg, when you say about leadership and communication is universal, yes, Toastmasters is certainly where we've all learned that whole process of practicing and being better leaders and also communicating. But reaching out to the whole world, it needs to be done more than ever today today in our complex world of challenges and everything that people are facing, if they can feel confident in their communication and find a purpose in why they're leading or why they're being in their business or career or whatever's happening in their personal life, it makes a huge difference. So, good for you to recognize that it's more than just one community, it's many communities out there that can get a lot of value from this whole conversation and podcasts.
0: And thank you for that. Some of the feedback that we received was that something that people had heard on the podcast got them to do something or or think differently. And that's something I want to be able to do as well, and not necessarily have people say, oh, this is just for Toastmasters, therefore, I'm not going to listen to it. We want to be able to maybe get them interested, get them to find out, and then perhaps they'll tune in even more.
1: You're on the right track. And I think this is a Perfect vehicle because Greg something I have learned through this journey of mine personally family everything else communication and Conversation are limited because of all our gadgets today and it's nice to have this voice personal one-to-one whether it's through Skype or through other vehicles, but having conversations like this people want to be part of something And this is one way that can be part of something and even help them maybe find purpose and meaning in their life.
0: Yeah, the technology helps us go global and around the world so we can reach out to people that are around the world.
1: Isn't that great how your podcast that you started and phoned up to see what my thoughts were on the whole thing, look where it's gone. I think that's what's so exciting about this, that it's gone global.
0: I'm glad you say global and not postal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tried to get the right word.
0: (laughs) Mona Cooley, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for helping me get this podcast started. I know you were a guest on a couple of subsequent episodes and it was truly an honor to have you back for the 100th episode of Toastcaster.
1: Thank you, Greg. And I've been thrilled and it has been a hoot us having our conversation again.
0: It was my pleasure. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way, you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes, because it really helps with our ratings. Plus, also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmaster specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies, a new book by Greg Gazin, Geared to ages 8 to 80, whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, this short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at OutsmartingTheButterflies.com.